What's good, everyone, and welcome to episode 96 of the Playgrounds Podcast, where we break down the business behind our favorite video games and provide you with sweet, sweet financial content for the industry trend. I'm your only host, Matt Mascari, and joining with me today is absolutely no one, because this is another solo dolo Matt Mascari special, and let's get into it. episode off with a big old pour one out for your homies and a rest in peace to Overwatch 2 Demons. And I know you're telling yourself right now, Matt, I completely forgot about Overwatch 2 Demons. But ABK has officially panned PvE Project 4 Overwatch 2. And honestly, just like you, I had completely forgotten about this absolute pipe dream that is PvE Overwatch. And I would love to be mad at Blizzard for canceling it. I really would. Because personally, I wanted Overwatch 2. I thought it'd be cool. But I'm not mad at them for that. What I'm mad at them for is bringing it up at all. I am upset. That Overwatch 2 PvE was ever even shown to us. And I understand. I understand that it was a long time ago that it was originally brought up. But the decision to make Overwatch 2 have a PvE component is an absolutely backwards decision. And should have never made it off of the Blizzard board. And I understand that at the time... A fresh coat of paint on Overwatch was desperately, desperately needed. And the love for Overwatch and the fan base of Overwatch was dying, was absolutely dying for anything Overwatch related. And nobody was actually thinking about what would this do for Overwatch. They were thinking about more Overwatch. I love it. But we're looking at this through the prism of 2020. And in 2023, PvE games are trying to break into the multiplayer market, not the other way around. Call of Duty developed multiplayer and Warzone off of their original ideas. Apex is a Titanfall child. Fortnite scrapped their PvE content long, long ago. This would be a complete macro decision or a macro product turning into a micro product for a micro audience. And honestly, taking a successful multiplayer game and giving it a PvP sense, in my opinion, is a bad business model. This is not to completely ignore the PvE business. If you're a longtime fan of this podcast, you know. That my bread and butter growing up was PvE and role-playing games. And if it was just me, I would absolutely love this product. Because I was here for the 
diving into a role-playing game, diving into a PvE game, going in myself, slaying the dragon, or maybe doing some couch co-op, Spartan lasering a banshee back to the base. I would have loved Overwatch as PvE. It, we need a hero shooter, just like I would l absolutely love a new Titanfall 3. But the IP is just so, so much more profitable as a multiplayer game. And to put a pin into this whole Overwatch debacle, and I understand a lot of people are upset, and I rightfully so. I'm right there with you. I really wanted Overwatch PvE. It just, it was, it seemed like a pipe dream at the time. It seemed like a best case scenario and something you weren't going to get anyway that I didn't really get my hopes up for it. But now that it's completely shot down, there's no shot of it ever happening. I mourn Overwatch 3 PvE. And to put a pin in it, I want to ask you a question. We could all agree that multiplayer, free-to-play, the battle pass mentality has been working exceptionally well. And it's far pro more profitable than most PvE games. And the version of Apex, Fortnite, and Overwatch 2 are more profitable as multiplayers than they would be as standalone PvE games. But I think the reason we're seeing that we're not getting an Apex or a Titanfall 3, we're not getting Fortnite's bringing back the PvE section, and we're not getting an Overwatch 2 PvE is because you have to think of development costs. And what goes put it precisely and concisely what is the best thing for your money-making product what is the best thing for apex for fortnite for overwatch 2 to make a pve version of it and potentially get that cross traffic and maybe you have some people that want to try the rpg pve version of it and then they transition over to your multiplayer game and that's where they start spending the big bucks or to make your multiplayer experience the best it possibly can be. And that is what I think they're trying to do with Overwatch 2. They understand that there's so much resourcing and resource development and resource allocation that is needed to make this PvE experience get better off and it will be more profitable to just make the multiplayer experience that much better. And I stand by that because I think that they let Overwatch originally die. And I think they let it go far too long with any love and attention. And I think a lot of that was because of them trying to develop this PvE piece of it. And I think if they had just stuck with what was working and stuck with what they knew regarding Overwatch, we would have had a much more seamless transition from Overwatch 1 to 2. And I think we would be in a much better place with Overwatch but speaking of things that are very, very much dead, we're going to hop into E3. And I know you're saying to yourself, you talk about E3 a lot. And I thought it was dead. Why are we still talking about it? Well, because the CEO of Take-Two is talking about it. And while he did not specifically name Xbox, Sony, Nintendo, EA as causing the death of E3, he kind of did. He kind of put them out on a 
put him on a pedestal and said, hey, if you guys had rallied around E3, we would still have it. And he's right. And I think, in short, Zelnick is completely correct that if the Xbox, the Sonys, the Nintendos, the EAs of the world, everyone that pulled out of E3 had pushed their chips to the table and said, no, we're going to make E3 awesome. They would have saved E3 and it would have been awesome. I 100% agree with you. But why on earth would they ever do that? And we'll rewind a little bit. I've previously been quoted on this show as saying the importance of the social events like, like this in the gaming sphere are they're so important and they cannot be understated. And I think E3 personally could be saved by other things besides Xbox um, in more in tandem with Xbox, Sony, uh, Nintendo, and things like EA all deciding to go in and put their arms around E3 and put it up. But I really think they need something like eSports gaming or eSports matches that will go along with the announcements to draw a crowd. I think it would be better for them, and I think that's what those big arena-like settings are best adapted to. But without the big names, it's never going to... It's never going to come to fruition. And personally, I believe that most of this isn't on Xbox, Sony, Nintendo. It's on E3. E3 refused to adapt and change to the times. And they saw this coming down the road. They saw the writing on the wall where we were getting less interested in E3 and more focused on what showcases the direct... Um, the showcases and directs that were getting put out. We were focusing on those because the companies were saving their best information for those. And what Zelnick goes on in this article to discuss is that at one point E3 was an integral part of the gaming sphere. But we all know that. And we all know that while E3 was a huge part of the gaming industry, it was like a trade show and that piece of it and the conference and things like that at the end of the day what it turned into was it was about the announcements and now that the big names have so much client facing media way more than ever before way more than anyone was expecting at the time they don't need to do someone else's showcase to be able to announce their new games to the largest audience possible what they can do is they can post it on their YouTube account, they can tweet about it, they can make a reel, they can make a short, they can make a TikTok. All of their all of this marketing their own brand as the source of this material. And instead of following E3 for this information, and instead of going to an E3 event regarding this information, Xbox, Sony, Nintendo get to keep it in their own ecosystem. And I think that's very, very, very important. Because you get fans interacting with fans in the same way, you get the same market share. They're getting just as good, if not better, results on their own YouTube accounts than they were with the money they were spending to put these things on E3. And their channels are generating revenue. Basically making money off of these announcements instead of paying someone to put your announcement there. So, put in pit, a pin on this topic. Zelnick was right. The big names could save E3. But one, I don't know if E3 was necessarily worth saving. And two, 
I really, really don't understand why. They would be doing it for the sole purpose of saving E3, not to better their product, better their company, and better their outreach regarding their game announcement. So I think we might be seeing the last of E3. And now that I've just talked about showcases and announcements, what you're definitely getting to and you're definitely thinking to yourself is, Matt, you haven't even mentioned the Sony the Sony uh, showcase that's happening next week. And you're correctly right. Because there's two things that I have a very special message from outside of this Plaganomics podcast recording for you to listen to. And it's your very own, your host with the most, Bobby Coyce is going to tell you about Tears of the Kingdom and his predictions and comments, thoughts about the PlayStation Showcase that's happening next week. Get into it, Bobby. Hello, Matt. Hello, fellow Playconomists, one and all. I'm speaking to you today from a undisclosed outdoor vacation-based black site, hiding from the Sonic fans, the Xbox fanboys, uh, it, it, you know, several, several Xbox drone strikes on Playconomist HQ. They're not going to stop me. You know, I've got a phone, I've got a camera, I've got a mic, and I'm here to share with you two things. And Matt is going to splice these into the episode wherever he can. Number one, uh, Sony and Nintendo have embraced me with both content and content to come in the coming weeks uh, in ways that... I didn't know were possible. Twofold. <clears throat> Let's start with Nintendo because not much to do here at the black site. There's barely enough Wi-Fi to get this video out here to the world in the middle of the maybe European, possibly Central Asian or Sub-Saharan African black site. Uh, it's up to you on GeoGuessers to find out where I am. And in the spirit of that, I have decided to spend my downtime here, not only in the sunlight but playing legend of zelda tears of the kingdom despite saying i wouldn't there's a caveat here so hang on i am early on maybe four or five hours i've, I've just left the tutorial area and i i said it to matt and the more i played the more this is true that this is nowhere near as good as elden ring not in design, not in graphic fidelity, story, combat effectiveness, none of that is as good as Elden Ring, not even close. And yet, it still hits that same dopamine button that Elden Ring did for me, where when I'm not playing it, it's all I can think about. Maybe that'll fade because, you know, it's been, it's been so long since we had a Zelda game. The building mechanic is stupid, ham-fisted, completely not Zelda. But there's just something about the world. Exploring it, climbing the towers, opening up the map. That is just so Nintendo magic. And this is a game that only Nintendo could make. Because I flip-flop every four seconds between wanting to snap my Switch over my knee because of the glaring, easy easy issues that could have been fixed and the just great immersive world in front of you right so for a quick example game starts off oh my god finally finally fully voiced cutscenes. it's 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 dark it's atmospheric and then the second the cutscene ends text text on screen why why couldn't you just have all cutscenes? 
Other people are doing it, Nintendo. Makes no sense for you not to. And that's where I'll leave Tears of the Kingdom, because I, I don't have enough to really form an opinion. It is 60% Breath of the Wild, and I feel like maybe a lot of my good vibes towards it are coming from the good vibes I felt from Breath of the Wild. But there is just something there. There's a secret sauce that maybe will wear off by the time Matt and I are together again. Um, that I'm curious if that'll last. Uh, 10 million copies, though. 10 million copies in its first couple days of release is nothing to shake a Korok stick at. Now, I said two companies have embraced me with open arms. The other one was Sony, because they said, Bobby, we understand you're on the run. Okay? We understand um, that right now the Sonic fans, the Xbox fans, they're hunting you down like you're John Wick. But let's talk about Sony. They announced a press conference on May 24th. So you're going to watch this episode, and by the next time we meet again, you'll watch what had actually happened. So here is my predictions. Matt's going to make some predictions. He's probably going to say, oh, there are no first-party games. Games don't exist. It's just, it, it is unfunny how much better PlayStation is than Xbox is right now. And in the spirit of that, here are the things. I'll give you some, I think, sure-shot definites that are going to be there, and then some less so pie-in-the-sky type stuff. So number one, I think we're going to finally see Twisted Metal. Um, they got the show coming out. I think whatever the Twisted Metal thing is, whether it's live service, whether it's just a standalone game, I think we're finally going to see it. It makes sense. Uh, the synergy across the board is, is behind Twisted Metal. They dropped the trailer for the Twisted Metal TV show. I think Twisted Metal is a deadlock. I think they're going to open the show with Spider-Man 2, gameplay, release date maybe a reveal of a new villain right that we we hadn't considered yet i think that's a very strong possibility as well boom ends the release date i think insomniac is also going to end the show as well i think we're going to see wolverine gameplay i wouldn't be shocked if wolverine is actually sooner than we think it is in terms of other games that we'll see there that maybe aren't sony but also are at deadlock i think we're this is this i think is where we're going to see the sony konami courtship take place i think this is where we're going to see either the metal gear solid one or metal gear solid three remake the the rumors have been swirling back and forth over which one it actually is how that whole thing is going to go into effect so there's that i think that's a deadlock i think maybe we see some more silent hill i think we're gonna obviously it's a given i think we're gonna see a little more final fantasy 16 guaranteed i think we're gonna see more astrobot uh guaranteed even though jeff grubb said no I think this is where we see Ghost of Tsushima too, even if just a little tease, right? Those are the the deadlocks, right? I think the show is either going to end, like I said, with Wolverine. If they don't show factions here, I don't know when you show factions. I think The Last of Us show just ended recently, about a month ago. We've had this nice little low boom, get factions out, get it at the top of the mind share again. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is also, boom, deadlock. My pie-in-the-sky type stuff... Is this where we see Sony just with the Square Enix acquisition, right? Do they come out and announce that? Is this where we see Sony come right out and say we've licensed all of Konami's IP and they're in-house right now? Um, Pie in the Sky, obviously. Where the hell is Bloodborne 2? Bloodborne Remake, Bloodborne Remaster. And what does that look like? Is it from Bluepoint? Mm, right? We, we've got sort of the first opening round of games out from sony they were all bangers horizon god of war fantastic but now it's like this has the potential to be that 
press conference that they did where they announced Horizon, Days Gone, Resident Evil 7, like all of that, right? This has the potential to set up Sony to continue winning for the rest of the generation. The two outliers here, are we going to see uh, that handheld, right, that Q-Lite or whatever the uh, project name was, and are we going to see the PlayStation console redesign, the discless one that's more than likely going to be releasing alongside Spider-Man 2? But those are my predictions. Uh, Matt, I'm sure, is going to hate on this in one way or another. What are we at here? Almost eight minutes? Yep, yep, yep. Apparently the Sonic fans have found where we are, so we do have to move black sites again. But uh, this has been Bobby from Playconomics, signing off. And now you're back with your favorite. And we're going to talk about what we always talk about on the Playconomics podcast. Because not only is it a day that ends in Y, it's a Matt Mascari Playconomics episode of the podcast where we are going to discuss the biggest thing in my life, the biggest change that would happen in my life based on this acquisition, because we would finally get World of Warcraft on console, specifically my console, Xbox, is the Xbox ABK acquisition. And the main news topics that I want to talk to you about today are twofold. One, the Chinese regulating body has approved the deal. And now we have two further topics. So just to run down the list, Brazil has approved, China's approved, Chile's approved, the European Union, Japan, Saudi Arabia, Serbia, South Africa, Ukraine, all approved. Although of note, the European Union is probably one of the only ones that play significant impact on whether or not this deal can go through or not. Because I do believe that if, for example, Chile decided that they didn't want this deal to go through, ABK might just say, all right, no, uh, or Microsoft slash ABK would just say, all right, no ABK licensed products going to uh, Chile anymore. And it would be a loss for sure, but definitely not the loss that they would take if they couldn't do that in the, they tried to do that in the UK and the United States. So what's happening now is the UK regulated body, the CMA, has decided that they will, and this is more April news, but just to catch you up, they're going to block this transaction if it ever comes to fruition. So if they actually tried to make this, they would block it. So the CMA has not officially blocked the announcement because it hasn't happened yet. They're simply announcing that they would block the acquisition if the deal fell through. The decision of that appeal, uh, the decision of the CMA is going to appeals with the Competition Appeal Tribunal. Currently, there's sitting about a 33% success rate on that um, on that appeal, but we'll see how that happens. So there's that is not done, and that will not be done anytime soon. Once that appeal is done, the CMA gets to then relook at the case with the Competition Appeal Tribunal's but even if they do win the appeal, it doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be able to block the deal. It just means that they need to somehow change what they're saying, or they need to think of another reason to block the deal that needs to that needs to be relevantly just uh, justified. The biggest thing I think, in my in my opinion, is that the FTC is also sued to block this transaction. And I don't mean the biggest is in most important. I think the biggest is in the most time consuming. The FTC. The FTC does not itself have the power to block anything. They can't say Microsoft shall not do this. 
but they can request the U.S. court to look into this matter and decide for themselves should this deal go through. If you've been following the story from the beginning, you know that originally when this was announced in January 2022, which I accurately predicted, the absolute my favorite tweet of all time was me commenting that and then someone on Twitter absolutely ripping me a new one and then me getting to send him the article saying that that Xbox was trying to buy Ubisoft. The great one of the greatest moments of my life, by far the greatest social media moment of my life. In twenty twenty two, they announced the acquisition and announced it for June twenty twenty two. You're thinking to yourself right now, Matt, that is right around the corner. How are they going to get all of this stuff done before June twenty twenty three? That's absolutely impossible. How are they ever going to do it? Oh my God, everything must be on fire at Microsoft and ABK trying to get this done. Uh, you're right. It probably is on fire trying to get this done at Microsoft and ABK. However, they're getting sued by the FCC. So that deal is not going through by June. It's just, if it goes through by June, anyone that likes this video between now and, so now is in May 22nd and May 29th, I'll send you a dollar. My hard-earned cash. I will send you a dollar if this deal goes through by June. There's no way this deal is going through by June because the court date does not start until August. And from August, I don't know if any of you have any familiarity with the legal system. August is the beginning. That is when it starts the trial. Who knows how long that that will take. And then depending on the verdict, the FTC can then appeal that decision, which will take another court, a whole nother legal proceeding. All of this to say that anyone that tells you that this deal is going to be firm handshake done by 2023, sorely mistaken. I hope it is. I hope for everyone's sake that we can stop talking about this and this deal is done by 2023. 2024 it looks like we will still be discussing this and potentially the ramifications of this deal into 2025 depending on what scenario we get the best case scenario everyone settles and the, the purchase is allowed this is the only way that that happens in 2023 is basically the cma and the ftc completely take their foot off the gas and then you're like you know what we were wrong we're not gonna win just do the deal 100%. 100% in it. That'll never happen. Absolutely never happen. That'll give you another dollar. Between May 22nd May 29th, if you like this video, you get a second dollar if that happens. The worst... Any other scenario outside of that best case scenario, we're looking at this deal until mid-2024 easily. But then we have the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is that this deal drags on until about ABK picking up the pieces and figuring out what the hell they are going to do because they were expecting the purchase. Do they sell themselves for parts? You get King, you get Activision, you get Blizzard, you get this. WoW goes on console. There's so much that will happen and so much news, so we're cool with it on this Play Canovics podcast. The issue is that we are going to be talking about this 
for the foreseeable future. And I know we talk about it almost every week. Almost every week there's some type of news update, and this is one of the biggest story in video game history. The biggest acquisition by far in video game history. We're going to talk about it. We're going to keep talking about it. And if you like what we're talking about, subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, any of your social media. Join the Discord. And if you really like us, and just the sound of my voice, and only want to hear that, don't want to look at the camera at all, anywhere that you find podcasts, and remember, as always, happy gaming.